Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Uh, we are reading our final book in our Black History Month, uh, which is The Sounds of Our Friends. Hi, Sasquatch. Um, which, unfortunately, as we will discuss, is um, created by a bunch of white guys, and we'll get into that. Um, but, uh, you know what, I'm just going to say, it. Uh, we have, you know, our standard group here, I'm here, uh, Adam's here, Lana's here, Todd's here. We never say anything interesting on our intro, so fuck it, we're going to go past it. Um, so That is not true. That's 100 percent true. I, totally true. He I spend more time half the time half the I shit know. that we say during because the thing show. is, we start on some topic, we ramble on. I spend more time editing our bios than any other portion of the show. So for my own sanity, we're just going to plow through. I'm just uh, trying to keep your life interesting. Yeah, no, I don't need my life to be interesting right now. I, I'm good. <laughs> uh, no one in the world right now needs their life to be more interesting. No one. Uh, but Mr. Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? Uh, yeah, our cocktail is called The Verdict. Uh, you're going to go ahead and take a uh, ice-filled uh, tumbler or shaker. You're going to add two ounces of uh, a um, gold Bacardi, three-quarters ounce of Montenegro Amora, a quarter ounce of a ginger liqueur, one dash of orange bitters, and one dash of Angostura bitters. You're going to stir it, not shake it, and then you're going to go ahead and strain into a rocks-filled old-fashioned glass and garnish with an orange slice. Okay. That sounds delicious, actually. Before we got into cocktails, I should have probably given a heads up. It's the 1960s. It is about a television news reporter who moves to Houston, Texas, is used to working in a more um, up in northeast somewhere, um, and is used to having a better uh, relationship with... Nope, wrong. Lana's no, shaking her head. San Antonio. Sa- you went from San Antonio to Houston. Houston, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, so then... And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, yeah, okay, these are where some of the problems are appearing. Anyway, he deems it necessary, and I, I agree, that uh, he should have a better connection with the black community um, in reporting on, you know, civil rights issues, and so he starts to develop a relationship with one of the leaders of the civil rights movement in Houston, and it basically becomes a story about his family and his other family and, like, how, you know, these families aren't necessarily that different, but yet the civil rights movement's going on and all this sort of stuff's going on. Is I, did I miss anything big that you feel like I should bring up? Um, and then the last part is that you have the, the five college students who are accused of shooting and killing a police officer during a sit-in. Oh, right. Or put on trial. And then the, the part of the book that's fiction is that uh, the kid's father apparently recorded seeing the bullet ricochet off a light post and hit the cop. So it wasn't the, the kids who did it. It was another cop that was by accident. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's, the, that's the fictional part. The other part about uh, moving to San Antonio, uh, to Houston, having black friends, like, you know, crossing that line, that's all actually mm-hmm. from uh, the writer, Mark Long, his childhood. Yeah, so. his father was the newspaper reporter. Mm-hmm. Or the, um, no, film, the news film, the TV reporter. Yes, TV reporter, yes. Yeah. Um, and and it, it becomes worth noting that, like, at this point in time, they all had to have their own, they set up their own camera and did their own camera stuff as well at the same time. Um, so that was sort of a bit of a thing. Um, but uh, so going to that, uh, let's jump into um, our drinking games. Uh, Mr. Todd, do you have a drinking game? White man learning. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, it probably doesn't need any further. Yeah. Every, every time there's a white man learning something about the black community, take a drink. Uh, Lena, Ms. Uh, Lena, Lena, Lady Lena. Lady Lena. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a good name, like preface for you. Name Lena of Denver. 
Ooh, Dame Lena of Denver. I like it. Okay. I like it. I like it. Well, the representative Uh, of the great state of Colorado wished to uh, enter (laughs) the roll of the eyes. was spectacular. (laughs) Uh, Black pages. Oh, okay. Um, Every time you hit a black page, Mm -hmm. drink. And again, little sips. Yeah. Okay. Stole mine. I was going to call it night and day. (laughs) Uh, Do you need need a second to come up with another one, Adam? No, I got a second one because I assumed someone else would have that. Okay. What's yours? Uh, Mine's called Sing Me a Song every time they're singing on the pages. Okay. Mine is uh, an ode to um, Blazing Saddles. Excuse me while I whip this out. Uh, (laughs) Every time, it's not as bad as you think. Go with me for a second. Every time he has to set up his television camera, take a drink. So, Uh um, okay. So, we were having some discussions off air before we started into this, um, and I started yeah. trying to record, and then we got distracted, and so we're going to jump into this now. There is a certain amount of white saviorness to this book, which I think deems it as problematic to a certain extent. I think the fact that it's based on a true story and based on the author's father helps the matter, but the fact that it's a, another comic by white people about the black experience and the civil rights movement is problematic. I do have... Well, I have my own additional thought I want to have to it, but before we do that, Lana, you had some thoughts on this, um, so I would love to hear you start this off. Yeah, so I had this same thing before uh, that we when it was when we recorded the last episode, or the, was the last episode or the episode before, or something that had to do with. I am a little sick of reading books written about about the black struggle and black mm-hmm. history that are solely white people mm-hmm. um it, it, it just it feels um and the fact that we are four white people talking about black history and the black struggle of, uh, in a book that was written and drawn mm-hmm. by three white men and i just i understand the there is a way to do something like there is a way to have a conversation about white allyship without it coming out to feel white savior. And I just don't think that this book did that. I don't, and Adam, you had mentioned, um, I don't know if we were on air or off air anymore, but about, um, the, the fictional part of this book. Oh no, you you were were recording. The fictional part of this book was his father being the one that convinced the jury. And it's like, that is where the white man saved them. Mm -hmm. And it just feels, I just, I I guess I would much rather read a not so great book written by a black man or a Mm -hmm. black woman or black anybody Mm -hmm. than another book about black history that is written by a white guy. You just, you, it's, you, we have no idea what the struggle is. We have no mm-hmm. idea what what actually goes on. We can read about it, and I feel like this the whole premise of this book really was to give the history to other white people. It's not written to be real black history. Yeah. It's to give white people a glimpse of what they what may have happened. Yeah. And again, then still shows white people as being the ones that save the freaking day. I just can't it. <sighs> 
it was just, it's like, I understand that you want to write a book that has, and and nothing against the author because it was stuff that he dealt with in his life, but to add the part, that part of every, why it's unnecessary. It's unfreaking necessary. You can talk about your, your relationship and being white allies without adding something into it to make white men look better or make your dad look like he was this great, again, white savior. I just, I can't, I just... I spent the last half hour before we started, before we got on this this call to like with my boyfriend talking about the fact that like I just I'm really freaking angry. Mm-hmm. And again, it it kind of maybe the perfect time that we record this because we mm-hmm. just watched absolute bullshit happen in our country mm-hmm. where you see literally how different cops even today, react to peaceful protests for BLM mm-hmm. versus a bunch of redneck, and I'm sorry, I, like, it, I don't care They're what anybody says, redneck, inbred, asshole people. Not, I don't even want to say they, like, ra- they were ushered into the freaking Capitol building. Uh, I'm over it. I can't, yeah. I can't deal with it anymore. It's, it's, it's aggravating. Yeah. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I'm gonna. I want to play devil's advocate on a couple of things. Um, one is, as far as the history aspect of it goes, one of the things I noticed because I also I looked up an interview with the the writer and the artist, uh, Nate Powell, who did the art, also did uh, the March books uh, with Senator mm-hmm. Adams Lewis Lewis Senator Lewis. Senator Lewis. Lewis. Um, Lewis. I don't know why I said Adams, uh, but uh, You're thinking Senator, of me. Yes, Senator Adam. And one of the things that they mentioned was the fact that they were from that area of the country. And I, I, I was noticing this recently, uh, hanging out on the holidays uh, with my girlfriend, who's from Arizona. She knows, mm-hmm. like, her understanding of local history is different because, like, a lot of her Western history is based around either the Mexican occupation of the area and or asshole white cowboys coming in and doing it. Todd and I, being raised in Utah, a lot of our history is based around Mormon settlers moving into Utah. So, like. We went up to Tahoe, and I was discussing um, the Donner Party. Now, either it's just my tendency towards being interested in morbid, horrible fucking stories, which is 100% possible, or it's the fact that because they passed through Utah and used a lot of the same trails that the Mormons did, I was just far more aware of the Donner Party than she was uh, because of where she grew up. So... I will give it the idea of this is also a personal story to them because it's part of their Southern heritage in a positive sense of it's a story that they want to tell or ex- or, or discuss about that darker s- side of history and bringing forward. So I don't want to completely condemn them for that aspect of it in a certain weird way. Yes. Uh, I guess my other concern about it is this, is that out, well, okay, outside of um, stories specifically about the Black experience, which I guess doesn't really equate to this conversation, but, like, it feels wrong to sit there and, and, and point out the race of an author, specifically if they're writing a story. Like, if someone's writing Batman and they happen to be Black or, you know, Chinese or whatever, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's something that we would point out, um, you know? So my questions are becoming: It would it be? Do we want to talk about that a moment? Because the current writer of Batman is black. Oh, okay, great. John Ridley. It's for two months, and then it goes to something else. But that's a fucking bummer. Oh yeah, no, I saw previews of what it looks like. He's doing the futuristic one. Yeah, futurist. It was originally supposed to be a whole thing, and then people got fired. Stuff was moved around, and it went from a new thing to a two month thing. That's a fucking bummer. But, um, yeah. But so I guess my questions are becoming: For is it better? 
to continue to highlight books about the black experience or the indigenous people experience or the gay experience for these particular months that we do? Or would it be better to find books that are about an issue that is central to that experience? Which is, a, I, and I see you grunting. It's, it's, I don't have an answer to this, but it's an interesting question. Well, actually, you brought up a, a really good thing I want to go back to. You saw yeah. as, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, kind of... I think it's the right way, to, right way to say this. I know so, this is a minefield if, if ever there was one. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's, no, I know I want to say it, but I'm I think the exploration of it. Yeah, because you can kind of look at this with you know representation of different you know races, sexualities, and stuff in mm-hmm. media. So you know, as far as a, a writer, you know, black Chinese gay person writing a story about a black Chinese gay white whatever kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm, I'm just kind of going back to the whole thing where when all like the neo-Nazis got flipped out, the uh, Heimdall and the Thor movies was being played by, um, what the fuck's his name? Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah. I have a huge crush on him. Um, Who doesn't? I'm a straight, I'm a straight know, heterosexual right? male. Yeah, no, there's... He's I don't gorgeous. understand why anyone would be upset about Idris Elba about anything no. man is... I uh, 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 I want to uh, kick him out of bed. Oh, I'm no. just saying that. No, no, no one would. Anyway, sorry, Adam. We, <laughs> no, we no, you're tangent. fine. <laughs> uh, so they, they were all flipping out about that, and they're like, oh, well, he's a Norse god. He's white. Okay, well, first of all, Norse gods don't exist. Second yeah. of all, it, his race is not <laughs> yeah. His race is not tied into his identity. Yes. You know, he could be purple for all I care. Yes. But then they're like, well, how can we make Black Panther white? I'm like, no, because his it's being central black to that experience, yeah. is central to that experience. Right. It almost, it'd almost be like, um, I, I can't, uh, what's that? Oh, we, the, the book we read, Midnighter, when we did LGBT Month, yeah. which I wasn't really a big fan of. But the whole thing was that it was written for him as from the viewpoint of a gay character. And let's say that he became a huge character. Like, say he was like the next Batman or something mm-hmm. like that. If then all of a sudden one day he is a straight character, mm-hmm. that's completely changing who he is. He's like, because you, know, you don't be like, wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm straight. Yeah. On the flip side, when everyone got pissed when Iceman came out, you know, back when they had like the, the original team was in the, the field the present day. And all of a sudden he's like, he comes out as gay. Everyone's like, well, that's that's fucking the character. That's retconning it. I'm like, no. How many? Every single gay person and LGBT person starts out as straight and has to come out. They have to tell the world, I am not this way. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've talked before. You, know, you three, you never woke up. Well, Brian, you did. Mm-hmm. You never woke up one day and told your mom and dad, hey, guess what? I'm straight. You mm-hmm. know, well, Lena uh, did too. We had that conversation. Had, yeah, YouTube, YouTube, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, What's really so funny, you're like the two people, well, in the world, the two straight people in the world that actually did it. So, yeah, no, yeah. what's really funny is like Brian and Todd, you will know this because I was like, I was just, I put on one of our episodes because I was driving home from one of my stores and I was driving down 90th going uh, west, right past the liquor store to go under the freeway when that exact conversation came on. So, I remember uh-huh. exactly where I was when you two both had to come out as straight to your parents. Yeah, um, so it's you know, and these kind of things, this rep- the representation of the character is tied to something that's really intrinsic to them, whether yes. it's their race, their sexuality, their religion, like we've seen with Miss Marvel and stuff. The fact that mm-hmm. she is Muslim is part of it's tied to her identity. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest of the stuff doesn't matter. So, you know, as, as far as, okay, so you've got a black person, white person, gay person writing Batman or whatever it is, they're they're coming across in their viewpoint, well, maybe from a different paradigm than us, because that's, well, being gay for me, I can understand that but doesn't affect the character. So then it becomes, you know, if you've got a character whose identity purely, you know, it's, it's part of them being, you know, a minority. I guess the question then becomes is, should any of those be written by someone who's not of that minority? Because, and, and the reason why I bring that up is because when I was reading this book and, you know, we all really, I, I didn't like Strange Fruit at all. I thought it was very... Yeah, no, 
like I, I don't get offended, but I was it just kind of it really upset me and irked me that it was it just felt really exploitative. If that's a word. Um, and this one, like I got done with it, and I, I I felt a lot of pains of it, like you were feeling, Lena, as far as like yeah, there is the white savior aspect, especially the fact that this was you know the the part of it that was the father testifying that saved the kid's life didn't happen as far as we know you know it was evidence came out that you know they, it was another mm-hmm. cop who shot him and so that was thrown in there for that and so i kind of like ah, i don't know how i feel about this and then i i read the foreword uh which is by john jennings who is a teacher i believe at ucr and also a uh, comic book graphic novel artist and he's a he's a black guy and he wholeheartedly signed off on this mm-hmm. <clears throat> said it's amazing he loved it he's honored to be able to write these words and when you ask someone if they can write something for your graphic novel, you can say no. So obviously he had something that he felt wanted to be said. Mm-hmm. So that gave me pause to think about it. It's like, and I'm, I'm still kind of wishy-washy. I don't really know. And I, I kind of got off track because I had a point and I was talking and talking as I want to. Well, when we were talking earlier, you had mentioned, you know, that the, the opinion of one person does not necessarily represent the entirety of that group, whereas you are not the uh, Laura, the gay Lorax is, is where we were having the conversation. No, exactly. Earlier. Yeah. And so, and, and again, I, I, I really... It's just sad because I really wanted Maya to be on more of these because we've been we've been talking a lot, especially with what's been going on in mm-hmm. um, in, mm-hmm. uh, in Washington. And, and the fun thing is that I'm currently on COVID uh, quarantine. I'm not. I tested negative. It just my work's very very cautious. Got so. no COVID's on you. Got no. Yeah. And I really wanted her to be on more of these because I, I think that she, on her first episode, brought a lot to it. You know, we're we're seeing mm-hmm. it from a viewpoint of someone a viewpoint we can never understand. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Like I I. I don't feel the same tinge of white savior kind of dick print we felt with, with strange fruit. Yeah. But I do still feel it. Uh, I would say if it wasn't for the last 20, 30 pages, I wouldn't. Because the last 20, 30 pages is all of a sudden when it's the deus ex machina of... And I, I was rereading it as we were talking. And like it's, it's almost like he was... It was kind of forced out of him. So it wasn't like he just stood up. He's like, look, I know everything. And I should have saved the black children. Uh, you know, the, the lawyer really had to pull it out of him. Uh, but I think if it would have ended right before that, or they would have changed that part, it wouldn't have had that tinge to it, but it does. And I don't know, I guess, I guess it just loops back to the fact that, you know, kind of what Brian was talking about too, is do, do stories about people who are minorities or, um, you know, people who are, have been persecuted, this and that, should they only be told by people of that, of that group? Yeah. I mean, and, which isn't to say I, I'm not trying to defend yeah. yes or no with this. I'm just yeah. saying that's that's the question. I think that's kind of we've been discussing without saying is because you know we've had these two books that were written by wholly by white guys and mm-hmm. telling a story that maybe wasn't theirs to tell. I agree with that. I think in this one it was more their story to tell than Strange Fruit was, um, arguably because you know Strange Fruit was um, a fucking fictional piece and uh, to a certain extent uh, just written in a derogatory way. Um, I think that. Ultimately, I think we're in this weird position just culturally in America, at least, where there's this question of representation in terms of, uh, I feel like in a perfect world, it wouldn't matter. Uh, you know, I mean, like, like, cause I, I've done productions with colorblind casting. You don't necessarily see that in Hollywood. Um, it works in theater a lot, well, a lot better for various reasons. And I'm not going to get into all why I think that that works better there. Well, but here's the whole thing though, Brian. And, mm-hmm. and so like I had had a, a conversation and actually, it may have been during New Year's, and it may have been with Ellen, actually, mm-hmm. um, where we were talking about, uh, I had made mention of, like, Cinderella. And my yeah. favorite version of Cinderella all time 
time is the version that Whitney Houston produced that had Brandy as Cinderella mm-hmm. and the guy that they had playing uh, Prince Charming. Mm-hmm. Who, he was Asian mm-hmm. and the stepsisters were white and black. One was white, one was black and Vernon yeah. Peters. So you had like all, you had every, everybody was something different. And I yeah. think the reason that a lot of the, the, the reason that stuff like that fits, whether it be color buying, because they even, they just did it with um, Netflix has a show out right now called Bridgerton, which by okay. the way, uh, if you watch it, more power to you. It's a little tough to get through until you get to episode six. And episode six is basically a softcore porn episode. So uh, that's episode six. Let me write that down. Do Sorry. with that as you will. <laughs> if you like Jane Austen, it's Jane Austen with a bit of a kick. Um, actually, it isn't that bad, but it it it's just. But the difference is there. It's colorblind casting, but those characters and you know both you and Adam had brought up that it, they aren't intrinsically matched to that. Like they don't have to be that. It's it doesn't do it. They're being black or white or or mm-hmm. orange or purple or whatever doesn't matter because yeah. it's not a part of their character. Cinderella yeah. can be and she can be Asian. She can be Indian. She yeah. could be Native American. It doesn't matter. The fact mm-hmm. is that it's it's her socio. It, it's actually her socioeconomical piece not just her it's like more economic than it is her color or race yeah no i mean the problematic issues with that is is her love life uh not her race exactly <laughs> but that's exactly totally exactly, exactly. I just want cinderella to be a drag queen i mean i'm I, sure there are plenty I would pay of drag good money there for that. is one <laughs> but again you could do it you could yeah. do cinderella as a drag queen like you could i've actually that. done a production where the fairy godmother was a drag queen and which, I think that's wonderful, which uh, actually yes. I feel like would probably be a little bit more better than I mean, some it, old bitty. That- no, no, hear, hear me out, hear me out. My dream casting for the fairy godmother, if she was still with us, yeah, be Arthur. No. Caddy, caddy, but no, here, but here's the, here's the catch. She's the caddy bitch who goes to the ball with her and just talks shit on everyone while she's there. Oh my God. Could you imagine? No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to outdo you on that one. What? Okay. With Divine. Who? No. No? I'd still have B. Arthur. I love Divine. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, yeah, I would no, still have B. I, Arthur. I still say B. Arthur. Okay. Anyway. Especially if you're going to do like a drag queen version of, of Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the big joke is that B. Arthur actually is a man in drag, so... You know. Well, they, they do the same thing for Julie Newmar as well. Yes. So the man the in the moon is a bitch. Uh, the problem, as she holds up, sounds of our friends because we're on an audio <laughs> medium. <Yes. laughs> the problem with this book is that, and the re- and I understand what you're saying, Brian, about yeah. the, the, does the race of it. The issue that I have with things that are brought up or presented as Black history, not not talking about anything else, because you got you brought up Batman. Batman isn't real. Yeah. Batman can have it. Ba- Hey, about, hey, you all... watch your mouth. Batman is real. No, there's only one Batman, and you're like, <laughs> no, he's from no, no, no. Pittsburgh. So anyway, um, haven't you seen Bat Dad on YouTube? True. Batman is real. Yeah. But the thing about Batman is, think about or, or any or any of the like, maybe not so much DC, but definitely the Marvel characters. How many times have we seen the backstory of Spider-Man? Yeah. Who cares who writes him? Yeah. Because you ch- you change up everything. I mean, in all honesty, Sp- Into the Spider Verse was way be- was probably the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen, and it's a black. Latino well, character. And here's the thing, Miles Morales is one of the most interesting characters that Marvel's put together in years. And so it's just, it's, 
And that's it, it's that same key piece with like when I talked about Cinderella. They're mm-hmm. them being white or black isn't intrinsically a part of who they are. When mm-hmm. you're talking about something that's being presented as fact, and I think the thing is, you're like, and Adam and even asked me, he goes, "Did you read the foreword? Did you read the the thing at the end?" No, I didn't because I just wanted to get through the book before we recorded today. Mm-hmm. And some people may read it, and you would hope that people do. Some mm-hmm. people may not. But the issue that I have with Black history or Indigenous history or anything like that is that if you don't understand the struggle, you can give facts. You can show, you can talk to a point. But when you're trying to get an emotional response from someone and actually explain to somebody what that is, I feel like March does a better, uh, did a, it does a better, does better justice to her, does a better job with it because you have someone who is in the movement that was showing you what happened, that you were just like, God, what the hell is going on here? There, it, And it was showing you a glimpse of what that struggle really is because you're still mm-hmm. not going to get it, even with reading it. Mm-hmm. And so to have someone who is white, who, yes, they lived down there, they were a part of it, that was, they, they, they saw pieces of it and they could talk to, to pieces of it. I just feel like... It, it, would it have been more powerful if it wasn't just a white man? If it was a white and a black man, would it would mm-hmm. it have been more powerful if if um, Mark Long had written it with the the little black boy that was in this? Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's you're talking about both of them because mm-hmm. he's guessing what happened with mm-hmm. inside their family and what's in. And I guess that's the piece. It's like it he's it, they're presenting it as if this and and when you talk about black history. They're presenting it as if this is real and this is this is history and this is something you need to understand. Rather than it being, hey, big preface, this is a what we think or how we saw it as being white. And you do that in a very clear, like, two lines before you, you start reading, and you'll never see that. Because then no one would ever buy it, and no one ever read it, and they would you know, they wouldn't be a New York Times bestseller. I guess Yeah. I, I understand where you're going with that, but I have a thought on that. Is I feel like part of the problem, just in general, with everything we're dealing with, is we're not as far along in equality as we think we are. And most of the history books are written by white people. And so, in order to con- to try to create that story, I think you do need, to a certain extent, to allow white people to try to tell some of those stories. Now, the inner emotional struggle, yeah, that's not their place to do it. But okay, but so here's the thing: is is, and I think inevitably, yes, you are going we've to written, have- white people have written most of those books, though, Brian. I, I, I would much. Yeah. Rather hear from someone who I, I understand is still that going through the struggle. I understand that. I just my question is: Is there enough well established? There, there's not enough well established writers, I think, in comics. You're maybe right. I don't know. And so maybe. And like, I guess my and the thing I had said to you before we yeah. started recording is that, and I said this before in one of the last things we did. I would yeah. love for us to do more research and to find, even if it's not a great book, even if it's not a New York Times bestseller, to even come out and say there may not be a lot of representation within the graphic novel industry of black writers speaking about the black struggle or black writers in general. That may not be a big, a big thing because they don't sell books. People don't want to buy them. People don't, because no one ever talks about them. Well, here's the thing. Arguably, I would say as out there, but we don't look for them. Well, here's the thing. I can't tell you the race or the nationality of most of the comic creators. Like, 
one of my favorite artists, I, I don't know if he even lives in America. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there are artists I follow, like, I'm like, they their name has a certain amount of Spanish to it. Are they in Spain? Are they in America? Are they in Mexico? Like, I don't know. And I think, I think it's a different thing identifying that when it is an actor or a performer or someone you see on television interviews. You can sit there and say, oh, yeah, that's part of their background. Um, I guess my concern is, is that I... It's a quantity versus quality, and I would, I personally, I would opt for a in a perfect world. I want, I want a quality story that is well representative. Of, you know, well representative. Great, perfect. But at that at that point in time, are you doing anyone any service by highlighting their weaker work simply because of what vagina they came out of? I guess my whole my caveat to that, then Brian is. Mm-hmm. If this was written, if, if this book was written by a black man, would mm-hmm. you have that scene where the white man is the one that basically saves the day? I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just talking at, so, at, a, at a general aspect of picking I mean, books. Is that yeah. when you when you look at most white people mm-hmm. that write that write books that have to do with black history, they inevitably become not always and not always to the point where you're like, oh, what the hell? Yeah, there is always that one piece that they always seem to be the one that that paves the way for something. And I guess that's my issue with with white writers in this area. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, that that's the piece that that I think is, uh, is the biggest issue that I have with this book. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to that disagree with you. I'm like, yeah, really. But practically speaking, if this was 100 percent true. If it was a black man who identified that it had been a policeman, another policeman who had accidentally shot him, at that time frame, they would not have believed him and it wouldn't have made any difference. Unfortunately, historically, it would have had to have been, a, although this part is fictionalized, so it doesn't necessarily help the case, but just to play devil's advocate, it would have to be a white man for that to work, in theory. Um, Actually, uh, as fucked up as that is, he's right. No, you are right. However... There was another way to tell the story where it wasn't his father that was the one that he was the one shooting everything and he was doing this. Like it could have been, it, it, there could have been another way of going about it. I, I, I'm not, just, yeah, there could have been. I just, for that particular moment, the way they particularly approached it, I think it is the only thing that makes sense of the story. The other question I have, similar to the topic, and eventually Todd and Adam, well, especially Todd, because Todd's been really quiet. I don't know if he's just really drunk sitting there or not. <laughs> a little both. My other question is, is like a character, like we were talking earlier about um, the character of Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird and how he can be still an iconic, but not necessarily be a white savior. And the more I think about it, well, with the exception of the most recent Broadway rewrite, which we are going to just flat out say is fucking problematic, and we're going to take that out of the conversation, at least for now. Yeah. Because that, that's a blame placed on the writer changing the intent. And but, uh, but that Aaron Sorkin? Yes, yeah, who right apparently, I, apparently made him made it very white savory, which is a bummer. Oh, he did. He, 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 he changed up parts of it where he made Atticus, like, even... Atticus was just part supposed to be, you know, he's always just a part of the story, right? Yes, the story it's, it's all really about Scout, Scout really. Yeah. Scout, it's really Scout and Jem and how they... The reason that Atticus doesn't come off as white saviory is because the whole story is told from the from the viewpoint of Scout. So also, see. one other thing, too, is he loses in the end. He, he doesn't does. win. You know what I he mean? He does. He loses in the end, but... but you see it from he he always has that hero aspect because you're seeing him from the viewpoint of his daughter 
Yes. Where she's always going to see him as this hero. She doesn't sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't win at the end. Mm-hmm. It does kind of, you know, and then and, and in the Broadway production, they take that away completely where the entire story is now told from Atticus Finch. And so that's mm. where, so yes, please don't see if you, if, if it does end up coming back on Broadway, don't waste your money. If you well, want everything is closing right now. So yeah, no, it's I really know, I don't even, that's just um, heartbreaking. But anyway, go ahead. But, but I think it's interesting because we were discussing off air how I personally have become far more aware of the concept of white savior in culture. And I, I, I would, I feel like outside of potentially comic books, and sometimes I'd even argue that's not entirely the case. I would not say my finger is so heavily on the pulse that I saw this early. I feel like it had to become a fairly large cultural thing for me to identify that it was an issue. Like it's become more recognized just in general in the culture for that to be the case. So my question becomes, this story maybe as little as four years ago may not have come across as white savior-y as we're perceiving it and seeing it now. But a character like Atticus Finch has been able to stand that test of time for a long period of time. And is it because of the way the story is told? Is it the fact that he loses? Yes. What, yeah, what is it that makes that character stand the test of time versus another character like this? What's interesting with To Kill a Mockingbird, because even then I was thinking about that, is we have Lee Harper that grew up in the South. Very oh, much and it's, I mean, it's about her father, basically. Yeah. And it's about her father. Is You're watching this. She is watching a situation she does not understand the impact of mm-hmm. as much as anything else. As she's... Her dad is her hero. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's nice to think that every person's child's father is their hero. Mm-hmm. But as you're watching this, she's got the lens of, isn't he amazing? And she sees the little things that she doesn't understand, but sees, I mean, you have the farmer that brings the nuts for payment because mm-hmm. he doesn't have any other way. Mm-hmm. And you have this man defending him because, like, why are you doing this for such a great thing? He's like, and it's a um, belief in the system, belief what's right on the legal mm-hmm. side of things. And she doesn't understand what potentially costs Atticus. And even Lee Harper wrote a sequel that came out many years later mm-hmm. that does not paint Atticus in the kindest light. Oh, that's interesting. I've it seen. does not paint Atticus very well. And at the same time, is that a um, is it a continuation of now that she's more of an adult and seeing her father as an adult, and now that lens of rose-colored glasses of childhood isn't mm-hmm. there? What would have if Scout was an adult going through that same situation? What would it have been? Yeah. But you've got this um, experience of this child as the ultimate observer, yeah, and not getting it. And you've got these experiences. I mean, you always think about the court scene and the story of what's going on. And it's Lee Harper's never speaking for, or Scout's never speaking for the other side. And I say the yes. other side, the black experience or whatever yes. experience there. And so it's all of that. So it's um, if you uh, make it that third person in that observation is. I say makes it okay, but you've got this scout has no understanding of that other person's experience. So she is so fascinated by this story. I mean, and she doesn't understand sexuality either mm-hmm. of everything she doesn't know. And what's also interesting, the story of how do you tell an ally story done right? Kill a mockingbird is the mm-hmm. standard in so many ways. Right. What I also find interesting is um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. And the most recent season is um, the show's written by Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband. Mm-hmm. And love the show. 
And um, the main character goes on tour, and she is a comedian for the opening act of a African-American singer that's quite the crooner and the ladies' man mm-hmm. who happens to be in the closet. Mm-hmm. And she is let inside his world, and at one point she goes on stage, and she thinks she's just gently making fun of him, but even the gently making fun of of something she thought was innocuous was so verboten, and she, she lost the gig. Yeah, she was supposed to go on tour. She loses the whole gig because of this, and it's an example of a person that does not understand the situation yeah. and what's going on. And she is in such she's like, "What did I even do that was wrong? I don't get it." Mm-hmm. And it ends. And she's at a loss. Like, I do not understand what's going on. And it's the um, I think the mistake some people might try to make is like, "Look, I'm helping here." claiming the understanding mm, okay. and we talk about we don't know their story but what works there is um and to kill a mockingbird it was obviously she's a child so she must not understand as it glosses over things that's glaringly there but what mrs mazel does well is again of going i don't get it how did i do what was wrong and it's like you just you're right you don't get it mm-hmm. and she looks at it and it's like this is so sad that this is the way but it's helped me and, and she, she doesn't get it and reading the last 20 pages here, this author tried to go, look, I get it. I'm helping. Don't I get it? Aren't I helping? Mm-hmm. And it's, we still don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, if I was speeding on the freeway and I was one of three people and I'm the only white guy, guess who's not getting pulled over? Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. And and just going, that's, I can go, I can recognize how not cool that is. Mm-hmm. But it's, um doesn't understand the situation. I am. I can say I recognize my luck in life for coming out of the right vagina, mm-hmm. but I also can say I do not nearly recognize my challenges in life if I didn't, because there's yeah. some, right? And I think some people here is like, oh, see these two pitfalls I found? It's like, yeah, you missed the other 19 you had no mm-hmm. idea about. Mm-hmm. And I think this, uh, as we're coming in, as we're finding the white savior thing coming over, it's like, look, I got this one thing. It's like, you missed the other 20. And the white savior challenges is we're missing the other 20. We didn't even know the other 20 were even there. So from that theory, could this white savior complex in this book be saved by an admission of um, misunderstanding or not understanding? Is, is it the perceived attitude of being an expert that makes this come across the way in a negative light versus another way that it could? I kind of feel like, and, and again, it's hard to, you, you don't really always know the intent of the creator. No. Right. And yeah. that goes back to the top, what you were saying about the fact that it's like, you know, you, you, you didn't know what you were doing. Like you didn't get it because you thought I was trying to do a good thing. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know, with Mark Long telling his story about this is, this is how I grew up and this is what I saw. And that's why I said earlier is like, I, I had no problem with the story until the last, you know, 15 pages when it's at the trial, mm-hmm. uh, which was the fictional part. And, and again, aside from the part, you know, we don't know what happened with the black family when they were at their house and stuff um, is the intent so when someone's doing something to, uh, they're trying to do a good thing and they're doing it the wrong way and you pull, if, and, and again, I, I don't know Mark Long, I, I, I'm sure I'll never meet Mark Long, but I'm sure if, if someone were to pull him aside, especially a person of color and be like, hey, I, you know, this is the, this is the issue I have with this. If the person sits back and like accepts that feedback and is like, you know what? I, 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 now I do get it. Mm-hmm. Now I do understand and I see that's a big thing. Now, 
some things you can, you know, and again, you can almost blatantly tell, like, I think the movie uh, Green Book's a perfect example is like, hey, look what we're doing. Haha, <laughs> look, we're trying to, we're making a point. Look at us. We're doing a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give us a high five. And, you know, those are the kind of things where it, you know, it almost becomes over the top as far as why you should be upset or angry with it is because they're doing it for their own personal gratification. They're doing it to, like, say, hey, look what good people we are. Look what we did. Like, we helped the poor black kid, you know, mm-hmm. and and I didn't get that intent from this book, and I don't think that's what he was doing. But it goes like like Todd said, it comes back to they didn't know what they were doing. They were trying to help, and and maybe for some people this would be helpful. I mean, like I said, the the guy who did the foreword, I mean, he obviously loved it. He taught it in his class and wanted mm-hmm. his students to dissect it, you know, word for word almost. Uh, but again, just because he doesn't speak for all black people the same way I don't speak for all gay people. Uh, and, and again, that we, we could be totally off. We, you know, and that's, again, I wish Maya was on here cause Maya could have read yeah. it and she could have been like, no, this is amazing. And this is like, why it's so cool and this and that. And so I don't know. Well, and is devil's it, advocate on that. She's also not the, the Lorax either. So, you know, no, exactly. Um, and, and, but again, everyone's gonna have their own take on it. So the people who really should be, we should be asking is the people who, you know, this is about people of color and people who, you know, not necessarily had lived through that, but the people who uh, every single day wake up and walk outside into a world that we can't understand because of how much melanin they have in their skin. So question, I guess, I would come, if we were to take out the fictional portion of the trial, or at least that portion of it, somehow, and leave it essentially factual, as, as factual as possible, solely about the father... Would that still raise issues? Well, for me, it wouldn't because at that point in time, it becomes autobiographical. You're just telling your okay. story. You know, mm-hmm. you're and like I like I said, there's I don't see any of that before that because that is literally like, hey, you know, the the dad was a reporter. He wanted to he got in league with the guy who was in charge of the kind of the, the protests so for the sit-ins and everything else. Mm-hmm. That's a true story. There's yeah. nothing there that smacks of like, hey, look what we did. They're like, hey. Yeah, it was dangerous for both people. It was dangerous for the, his family to have black people over and vice mm-hmm. versa. Yeah. You know, crossing Wheeler Street was a big deal. So that is just, that's history yeah. at that point in time. And, and again, your, your memory of your youth is always going to be different than what it was because no one's yeah. memory is perfect. But that is what happened, and that's telling his story. So that I don't have any problem with whatsoever. It was just the, and, and again, I don't think he was trying to do it to be like, look how cool we are and look what we're doing. The white people are saving the day. Uh, I kind of agree with what you said was that if it was a black guy who was a witness and in real life, I'm sure there were black people who were witnesses. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't read up the story as far as how the trial went. I just read, you know, Mark Long's, uh, uh, his, his afterward, but no one would have listened to him. Yeah. No one would have cared because they were born the wrong skin color mm-hmm. as far as they were concerned. Yeah. Uh, as far as we're concerned today, I and mean, like we were talking earlier, as so you look at the, the riot at the Capitol and, you know, just compare that. It, it was the, a coup. The, and our friend who sent us a very brilliant headline from India, which was the Ku Klux Klan, uh, what, which I thought was a brilliant <laughs> description of what that was. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, but you, you look at that between that and like the and yeah some of the protests they get violent with Black Lives Matter, but yeah. even just the peaceful ones were the, the reaction of people between, like the police officers and people you know against that just the night and day difference and yeah yeah that is that's very very telling of our society. Um, I actually had that same conversation with my mother, and it was actually very nice to have someone from the old generation go, "Oh no, that's completely messed up." I was like, it was one of those things of like. If those people barging, barging into the Capitol were black, they would all be dead. And my mom 100% agreeing with me, um, which is a very sad sort of state of things. Um, outside of the issues we've been discussing, are there things about the actual book that anybody has any thoughts on? 
Um, <laughs> I like the fact that it was black and white. Um, uh-huh. I liked the kind of um, the highlight of when it was outside and dark or anything that the that the uh, background of the chain of the of the pages changed mm-hmm. um so you you could tell that there was something that was happening i liked that at the end when the little girl who's blind knows that you know she's like i wrote i was able to type my name and mm-hmm. she goes and finds her teacher and then as soon as they talk about um the assassination of martin luther king jr mm-hmm. you have a blank page yeah just a total blank page after mm-hmm. and then the kid and then you you are at the um at the you know everyone i guess marching for you know with his death and everything and mm-hmm. so i liked that piece the the creative aspect the the drawing the the art with it i i did enjoy um so yeah okay i would say and go along with lena the strongest thing with this book is actually the uh, pacing oh okay. of the yeah. book yeah so i mean what's so interesting with the medium is people say well you can read it as fast or as slow as you want but if you are reading it the way they structure structure mm-hmm. the panels and the pages and the reading and what is being said or even not being said on panels can very much influence the spade and the spade speed and the pace of what's being read and the pacing here is um really well crafted and mm-hmm. is that coming from the author or the artist i mean both i'm sure right mm-hmm. but the the pacing of the story and structurally of the story is actually really well done yeah as I, I, I enjoyed that i think as far as the art of comics go it's a very very well-made comic i think that we have found like a politically uh unfortunate situation within the way the st- part the, the finale of the book is told um mm-hmm. but i think that uh yeah i it was just one of those things where it's like, there are a lot of issues, and I know that we are all probably very heightened by it. I think I was talking to Lena about it, about, or maybe, no, I was talking to Todd about it, about being like, this month has been difficult to continue to read all the books, just because it requires a lot of empathy, and our world that's currently around us at the time that we're recording this is fucking exhausting. Just that's why time. I'm glad I read this before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we um, took a little hiatus for the holidays, and so I was like, I sat down today because I wanted to flip through it again because I was like, I need to remember some stuff. And then I was like, oh, I'm glad I read this before all this happened. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm coming from with my, like, just I'm on edge and my heightened, like, anger. I I read it a day after, you know, two days after all this bullshit happened in D.C. where it's, I'm, you're just in sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it was Antifa. No, it was all them. They were all in disguise. With the the domestic terrorists that showed up, yep. at, you know, in D.C. a couple of days ago from when we were recording this, um, and then I read this this afternoon. Um, I'm I'm at a heightened state. I'm yeah. I'm yeah, angry yeah. Right. already, and I'm I and so I think that that's why I'm just like I don't need to read white savior bullshit. Agreed. Like I I think so. I wonder if we had recorded this. The day of when we were going to. <laughs> yeah, had we recorded this before the holidays? Had we done this, you know, a few, a couple of weeks ago? Mm-hmm. It, it, I would have. I may not have been as like no, insane yeah. on it, but I feel like right now it's just I. I'm at a heightened. 
Well, and, and to be 100% honest, typically, sometimes these topical conversations I will edit out to try to keep it evergreen, but I think in the state that we are currently in and what is going on, I think that conversation in this particular episode plays into our opinions and our thoughts on that. Um, right. I mean, this, this is very well, like, I because I read this originally over the summer, post-Black Lives Matter, and felt okay about it. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... The, I, and for some reason, I just didn't track the white savior portion of it. Um, but I had been reading a lot of other things, and so maybe my brain was just not looking for that. You know what I mean? Um, so there is a complete possibility that we come back to, like, if we were to reread this in a couple months, in a couple years, we would not necessarily be as triggered by that as we currently are. Why don't we uh, jump into grades on this sucker? Uh, unless anybody else has something else they want to add. But I, I'm looking at a bunch of blank faces who look tired, so let's uh, let, let's call it at that. My uh, balls hurt. Yes. Uh, would the great representative of my balls hurt like to add their grade? I like that Lane is cracking up because, Lane, you literally logged in mm-hmm. like when I just finished the story of Brian, why my balls hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, I'm going to go with a B. And the reason why is that, yes, do I find things problematic? Very much so. And I think we've gone ad nauseum about that. Uh, the book itself is very well done. It's very well written. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. And is it telling a story that's interesting and is impactful and things people should know about? Yes. Because, you know. Would you recommend it? I would, yes, I would recommend it. Uh, okay. With the caveat that, yeah, you know, what I find problematic. Because, yeah. you know, you can enjoy things that are problematic. They, you yeah. know, as long as you recognize, like, hey, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon's very problematic. He has the whole thing about how a woman can't be powerful until she's beaten down. Yeah. You can still be like, find the good things and be like, yes, I enjoy this. Here's the problem. I can love Harry Potter with all my life. think J.K. Rowling's a piece of shit. But so, that, but you have to notice that, and then, and maybe that's part of privilege of saying that. Oh, you can say that, but you know, if you didn't notice it, that's even more of a, a showing of that. Uh, if it would have ended twenty pages before it did, I'd feel completely different about it mm-hmm. because I think that's the the fake part of it, and the the fiction part was what brought me there. But it's it's well done, and you know, it's I think it's considering that this was Mark Long's his childhood, what he remembered growing up, and how scary it was i'm sure for everyone involved you know for because you know you have white people treating black people like they're you know they're equals which they are you know back in that time and day you could just as easily get and kill beaten up and one of them does get beaten up for it so i don't know yeah. it's uh there are problematic parts and i, I could recommend it with that caveat that hey there is some things that are going to stick out that shouldn't be there but mm-hmm. more like i've told people before just to stop watching the movie like and stop it a half hour before it ends. You know, just yeah. don't read those final 20 pages. I don't know. That's, that's Don't watch that's the last um, season and a half of, of How I Met Your Mother. Stop when Barney and Robin for, get engaged and you're fine. Except for the episode in the final season of How Your Mother Almost Met Me. I Ballad. do love I will episode. give you that one. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Don't watch the rhyming episode. That that made me want to go kill myself. So. And unfortunately, it's a Lin-Manuel Miranda episode, too, which is very I sad. know. I know. Anyway, I, I wish for more for him. Okay. Hey, that's me. Uh, well, the representative of Colorado like to uh, add in her vote of, or her grade. Oh God, you're such a goof. The dame of Denver. The dame of Denver. I mean, it could be the Countess of Colorado too. Who Countess of Colorado? That no, might be. I don't be want it. all of Colorado. Yeah, the no. Duchy of Denver. The Duchess what? of Denver. Duchess of Denver? Denver. The Duchess of Denver would be great. <laughs> Let me get to my grade before Brian starts coming up with other shit that he <laughs> wants to say about my boyfriend and myself. Um. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there just as that with no other context, because it's going to sound really hilarious. Um. <laughs> You're an ass. So yeah. my... Well established. <laughs> my grade, I would say um, 
I'd say B minus. I don't, you know, I didn't, I don't like the fact, like, again, same with Adam. The last 12, the last 20 pages, had we not had that or the end of the trial was a little bit different, maybe I wouldn't have felt so like, really? Mm-hmm. Really? At the end. Um, but the the art and the writing of it up until that point, I, you know, I really did appreciate um, the music that's played, the scene at the church, everything. Like, I did, I did like most of it. I just, that, that ending is, I, you end on that and you're just like, really, this is, mm-hmm. this is it. This yeah. is what's happening. Okay, great. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say B minus. Okay. Well, the chancellor from Utah liked to add in his grade. Um, so the, once again, the problem is, is sticking the landing or write what you know. And he wrote what you know very well until he decided to improve on things would be the critique of the day. Same time. Um, it was structured beautifully. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think, uh, what did you say, Brian? Not what Brian, but you can remind me of a Frank Capra said a the definition of a good movie is three good scenes, no bad scenes. Yeah. Right. That sounds like Capra or Billy Wilder. But it's probably Capra because Billy Wilder likes dialogue, so all right. So there's definitely the three good scenes and there was a bad scene in here. Yeah. And I say right, it just didn't quite make sense. And that's what keeps it from being an A. Okay. And I'll give it the B because of that. Yeah. It's um it doesn't meet that criteria, unfortunately. And I think I'm going to stick with the B for all the same reasons that everyone else has said. Yeah. Um, I, don't have, I mean, yeah, I, I, I like it. It's not an A. If you're going to recommend it to somebody, give them a caveat. Uh, but it felt very personal. Yeah. It was coming through, and it was very well constructed. Mm-hmm. Of like all the technical aspects is hitting it out, and uh, the ending just was too schmaltzy. Gotcha. Cool. Um... I think we're going to call it there. Uh, this is the end of our month of Black History Month, so hopefully we have some lighter fare coming up. I hope so. <laughs> uh, our next month is completely and utterly surrounded. Uh, uh, it's all about Lena. It's a female antihero month. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so we're Wrong starting out. Women. Well, strong antihero women. Badass women who you're not quite sure if you trust or love. Uh, so we're going to start out with uh, Harley Sounds Quinn. Sounds like most women, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm not making those jokes anymore. I'm out of my 20s. Uh, so we are going to start out with... You're so far out of your 20s! <laughs> Shut up. Uh, uh, we're starting out with uh, Harley Quinn, uh, the Black Label book that came out like, last it's year. Harleen. Oh, Harleen. Harleen. Harleen, Quinn. yeah. Sorry, Harleen Quinn. Uh, Black Harleen Label is the name of the book. Harleen. Oh, it's called Harleen? Okay, perfect. Harleen. Harleen. Uh, there was yeah. a book called Antihero, which I believe is Marvel. I don't remember. Um, anyway, I, I got them all digital. I don't. They're like actually, this is like my cheapest month for doing books in a long time because it was like fifteen bucks because well, they were all not, on sale for the holidays. We're not doing obscure fucking books that we are. are That's true too. Yes. Yes. Or like uh, when they send you the wrong one. Yeah. Uh, and then we are going to be doing uh, Scarlet by M- Brian Michael Bendis, which might be way too topical for this period of time, but we will see how that goes. Uh, luckily, it's in the yeah. month. We have a couple of uh, weeks to decompress. Uh, and then we will be doing Lenore, the cute little dead girl. Um, and then mm-hmm. we're going to be doing Catwoman by Joel Jones, uh, which yep. follows in the storyline right after the wedding that uh, fails in the uh, Tom King book. Um, and maybe Ellen might join us for that one because she loves that book. So I offered to let her come back. So That's great. Lena's best friend can be back with us. Uh, so Yay! there is that. <laughs> He's uh, my Marco Polo buddy. It's true. It's very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think that will probably do it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we will see you all later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
need you to hold that note out longer, Todd. Like, you know, to really hold no, that face down. It's been too long of a day, man. Oh, fuck.